My name is James McMahon. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD is a mental disorder in which the person has repeated thoughts. They're called obsessions or feels the need to perform routines repeatedly. They might be external or internal. They're called compulsions to an extent that generates distress or impairs general functioning. I've had it for over 20 years. Not that I knew the name for what was happening to me during most of that time. We call OCD the doubting disorder. It's much misunderstood. Treatment is difficult to come by. Anyone tuning in from the UK will be aware of the crisis point that mental health services hit some time ago. But if you can access treatment, it can be effective. I'm on a journey. I was first diagnosed in 2008 when I was 28. I rejected the diagnosis. My flat was messy. The dirty dishes piled up in the sink. I didn't have OCD. Or if I did, it didn't look like how it did on the television. Ten years later, I had what may have been a breakdown. I fought for another diagnosis. I've had some treatment now, the gold standard cognitive behavioural therapy and some ERP. That's short for Exposure Response Prevention, a painful but effective method of desensitising OCD sufferers to their fears and obsessions. But I need more, so much more. My condition has come close to ruining my life, even taking it from me, and I'm far from recovered. Sometimes I'm not sure I ever will be, but I'm in the fight. The OCD Chronicles started life as a website, a place to share OCD stories, somewhere to celebrate bravery, cheer on other sufferers, and fight misinformation. And it's a podcast now, and it's here to do a similar thing. But I also want to chart my own story. I want to be better, so badly I want to be better. I'll introduce you to the people I meet on this journey. Mental health professionals, researchers, other sufferers. It would mean the world to me if you join me. Dr Joanne Lindbergh is a Cambridge-based poet, novelist, lecturer at Dunmanford University in Leicester and OCD sufferer. Her OCD and her autism, both of which were diagnosed somewhere into adulthood, the relationship between autism and OCD is something we talk about in some detail on this episode. All that stuff greatly influences her work. And in 2015, Joanne's excellent OCD memoir, The Woman Who Thought Too Much, was published by Atlantic Books. I do hope you enjoy my conversation with a very nice and very interesting creative. Yeah, we were just saying it makes sense to, to continue talking about what we yes. were talking about before we started recording. But I was telling you a bit about the OCD Chronicles and where it come from. And I guess the what I was trying to say was that I started the the website, um, mm. which is www.itsTheOCDChronicles.com, uh, as a place to. I, there was definitely a degree of trying to combat misinformation but there was also something that was about trying to take people who were creative or artistic or high achievers who had OCD and I would like to say that it was me going oh hey me trying to like provide like representation uh to try and show that it 
wasn't something that would totally strip you of every facet mm. of your life. Um, but I, I, there was de- there was definitely an altruistic goal there. But I think, like anything, it probably came from trying to remind myself of that a little yeah. bit. As well, I mean, I certainly write the books I want to write, and I've seen people make the podcasts they want to see made. I think that's where it comes from, isn't it? You know, be the yeah. be the change that you want to see. Exactly. So tell me a bit about you. Uh, when did you? Yeah, when did you start writing? Oh, gosh. Well, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was at school, really. And I was, um, the story I always tell is that I was nine years old. I was in the class. We had to write a poem. And the teachers just said that mine was really good. And I thought, oh, I can do this. And um, so as a teenager, I wanted to write comedy. That didn't happen. And then in my early 20s, I sort of reoriented myself and I started writing poetry. And I published my first poem sort of mid-twenties and uh, then my first collection at 30. And then uh, ten, 10 years after that, I started writing prose. So I wrote um, the, uh, again, because it was a book I hadn't seen, I wrote The Woman Who Thought Too Much, which is my memoir about OCD. Yeah. About 10, year, 10 years or so ago. And I've written a novel and a, another poetry collection and children's poetry collection and a couple more non-fiction books since and I've had I've had a very busy decade and frankly I'm very tired now (laughs) do you know what I think that you know I think of of my own output and I think that you know when I was 25 I was uh, you know I was writing for the weekly music press and that Mm. didn't really stop until like my late 30s Mm. and and at the same time I sort of think about that time as being quite unproductive really even though Mm. I was you know trying to get a magazine out every week and and what's not and a lot of that a lot of that is that thing of I think with OCD sometimes you look back at things it took from you and I think that I often think about what it would have been like if I'd almost been able to get into fifth gear or fourth Mm. gear even you know but I do feel like as we get older there is a, a ramping up of what we want to create i don't Mm. i don't really know what that's about really given that there's definitely less gas in the tank and our our knees ache when we i think we just get better at managing the things that we have to manage is that what you think it is i mean in 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 my case yes um and also you know i did i wasn't diagnosed with ocd till i was 34 well that's i mean i'm 41 and i had a diagnosis at 28 and i rejected it and then and then had 10 years of uh 10 years of doing everything that i shouldn't have done in in terms of dealing with it and then had Mm. another diagnosis of 37 and accepted it uh as any as anyone listens to this podcast will know from the the quite maudlin depressing intro which i promise this is for the benefit of people listening by the way joanne (laughs) uh i wish i i promise on the season three i'm going to ring those because i even i'm sick of listening to uh me bang on about my life story but with your writing when did when did ocd come into the mix it had always been there um well it it had always it it really caused problems with my academic work i mean i i I did well and i got to a very good university but um i became unable to finish an essay right and i didn't realize because a lot of people don't know that ocd can affect you that way yeah you know, they think of it, you know, as, oh, I'm tidy or whatever. You know, they're your bugbears. But um, yeah. um, I would just have um, 
I would just have crippling perfectionism and I couldn't do anything. And then when I started writing the poetry, I kind of built myself up from very basic beginnings. And um, I could never write that that much. And it sort of still sort of shuts down on it as well. But I look back at um, my first two collections and I can see that some of the poems are poems about OCD and there are poems also there about autism, which was another subsequent diagnosis in my case. Right. But, you know, I didn't know what I was dealing with. And um, now I, I, I realise I have to kind of um, fool, fool my OCD or, or almost I have to sneak around it to write. And I have to sort of look at it and say, OK, you're telling me that, you know, I shouldn't write this sentence because I haven't, uh, because it's not completely perfect and I haven't prepared every possible bit of information that could impinge on this sentence, but you can F off. That's so interesting you say that. I, mm. I you know, I, I, I can't, I have a set. Uh, I have a load of perimeters that I have to work to when I'm writing, and mm. the, in a weird way, I often think that you know, being a, a professional writer has been has been almost like a sort of a, a daily exposure, really, in the mm. sense that I, like I've had to do it, and yeah. But I also know, and this is so weird, I also know that I OCD has shaped my writing because. When I'm writing, I can't, I can't have a widow. I can't have a rogue word on its own. And mm. it, even though ultimately it's going to be formatted beyond that, you know, by whatever editor I'm yeah. filing to or whatever. Um, and I yeah, I get... have to correct my own spelling mistakes straight away. I can't oh, yeah. just get to the end of the document and then deal with it. If I see it, it's got to go. What are you like if you make? Because I, I, I mean, this goes for everything I do now. I'm very like, say, with a podcast. I was listening to some of the early episodes of of this podcast the other day. Um, I don't really know why, but mm. and I was wincing a little bit. I was like, oh god, that, the intro sounds awful. Like, wh- what was I doing? I didn't really know how to, you know, mix audio. I just didn't know what I was doing. And mm. I really have to force myself now. I've almost created this narrative of like, mm. well, you know, it's endearing, it's human, it's you're showing growth, you know, like there's almost like a story to your creation because you've got better over time. And yeah. And I I often have to tell myself that because I think that actually if I allowed myself to think about mistakes, then I just wouldn't create anything. Yeah, I I accept them now, but you know, I mean, I, I've been very lucky. I've had a, you know, various drugs that I'm still on and I've had various types of therapy and I'm just a point where, you know, nothing in this world is perfect. If you were creating something perfect, you'd be in Plato's cave with all the perfect platonic forms, you know? That's the most highbrow this podcast has ever been, by the way. Is it? Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. You just set set the bar there. (laughs) (laughs) With, you were saying this thing about uh, how, Sometimes you, oh. mm-hmm. if I'm get, if I'm getting this right, you were saying I think you were saying that there were things that you'd written when you were younger when you didn't really kind of like know what was going on with you. Mm-hmm. That actually, when you look back, you're like, oh well, that was OCD. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a similar thing with I was in a band. Uh, I was in a band in my early twenties, and there was a lot. I'm not like a religious person at all. I I, I I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. But when I look back on like what I was singing about, there was a lot of God in there, and there was there was a lot of I think what you would describe as uh, scrupulosity within my yeah. 
Yeah, I, so, I think that's um, if even if you look back in the past, that's how that's how it sort of emerges in in, in the literature through people's religious scruples. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually I'm actually I have a bit of a head to head with a friend of mine, uh, Doctor Joe Edge, who I don't know whether you know from Twitter, but oh yes, he, I do know her. Yes. Yeah, look, look, she's look, a medical historian, isn't she? I went to a lecture that OCD UK hosted. I think it was OCD UK at one mm. of their conferences. It was almost about like signs of OCD throughout history, mm. and it kind of went into the you know the Catholic Church and Greek society and all sorts of things. And I found it fascinating. But she's actually very adamant that she's you know she's not into that kind of retrospective diagnosis. No, which I think is fair enough because yeah. the category didn't exist. You couldn't have it. So, uh, you know, I think I said in my book that Samuel Johnson, he didn't have OCD. He had what would have been called the hips. That sounds that sounds quite, I like, I mean, I like that. I think yeah, I might, H-Y-P-P-E-S, good word. <laughs> I, think I, might just, I, might, I think I might start saying that I've got the hips, you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I think where I was getting to when I was banging on about my music was that, you know, when you look back at what you were writing before you understood it was OCD, can you mm. see it, can you see OCD in there? Yes, yes, I, I, I can see. You know that I was writing about being hard on myself, and right. that I was, you know, writing about being being scrupulous. Which I, I mean, I don't know whether that's the OCD or that's the autism or that's just my personality, but I do kind of scrutinise not only my actions but my motives for them to an extent that I think a lot of people don't, and possibly yeah. shouldn't either. I don't think it necessarily makes one a better person. It just makes one. A, more anxious person oh absolutely yeah no no totally uh it is that question i think sometimes with ocd where it's like where does where do i start and where does ocd start do you know what i mean yeah. like yeah um I, i'm interested though I mean, i've interviewed a few writers with ocd on, on the podcast and i get, i don't know a lot about poetry i'll be honest with you i'm not really there was something that you shared on twitter the other day there was a poem and i was it really I'm not ashamed mm-hmm. to say that. I'm not ashamed to say that I felt quite moved. Oh. Uh, and I, but I'm not like a huge poetry guy, you know. No. Like, um, so forgive me if I am just talking out my ass here. But I wondered whether poetry was perhaps I couldn't work out whether it would be easier or harder to write because there's, there's an lot... enormous amount of detail involved in poetry. Well, that's what I was thinking. So, so yes, in, in a sense, it does lend itself. But like any activity, the OCD can kill it if you if, if the judgment sort of starts flooding in. Yeah. Before I, the ideas had a chance to form. And in my case with poetry, I mean it's I, I'm I, I'm writing prose fine at the moment, but you know, my poetry, to be honest, is you know pretty well cut off, apart from the poems I had commissioned about OCD, which I wrote um last year was it two years ago um I haven't been writing much poetry and I have to say it still affects me and my OCD will use whatever's available to shut me up yeah no it's uh, it's malignant like that it is yeah in terms of the memoir tell me about the me- tell me about the memoir like what I I'm trying to I'm trying to write an OCD memoir which is almost mm-hmm. sort of a cl- almost a cliche at this point but well, uh, I don't know <laughs> well I, it's well, I don't know. I, I guess that it's become a little bit of an albatross for me, if I'm being completely honest. Again, anyone listening to the podcast will be a little bit like, shut up banging on about your book, James. But with yours, I, I am interested in what your motivations were. Like, was it something that you felt like you needed to get out of you or 
Was it something well, that you felt like didn't exist, so therefore you wanted to write it? Or? Yes, very much, particularly as um, when I was diagnosed, it was in the context of having maternal OCD. Right. Sort of, you know, so I had these harm fears about my very small child. Yeah. And I was scared to tell anyone for obvious reasons. Um, and the only reason I found out about it was, was because I was in a library researching a novel I thought I'd write. And I came almost by accident across a description of maternal OCD. Oh, okay. And it said the description and then said, I know it's a bit dismissive, but these women just need to learn to laugh at these thoughts, which was a bit dismissive. But I thought, oh, this isn't some huge deal. And I went and told my doctor and I told the health visitor and they went, oh, we knew there was something going on. No, you're you're fine, but we'll refer you. <laughs> I get the logic of, uh, of of what you read. It's just uh, it's just it just sounds a bit curt, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a it, it was just a kind of high handed paternalistic um, textbook. Right. Yeah, right. but but I mean the, the the thing I got out of it was this is what this is called, and it doesn't mean I'm a monster, and I can tell someone. And what made me write the book was that. I was so shocked that, you know, I, I was always someone who'd be interested in psychology, partly probably out of hypochondria. But I was so shocked that I had got to 34 and hadn't realised that I had this condition that in retrospect I'd had for more than 20 years. Yeah. And I thought, and I was absolutely horrified. And I thought, I'm in a position to do something about this. So yeah. I will. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I'd at that point, I wanted to try writing prose. I mean, as a writer, you just always want to write something and make something. And yeah. that's always in the mix with your motivation. Yeah. Do you think that, well, you were saying about you know, an interest in psychology perhaps came from, you know, hypochondria, but do you also, I mean, I, I think I'm the same. I'm fascinated by, uh, well, not fascinated sounds too, too uh, dismissive, really. Like, I'm drawn to trying to understand people, and I, I'm sure it's because, sometimes wonder whether that's actually a compulsion because I sometimes wonder whether there's a reassurance there of like if I try to understand people I'm actually trying to understand myself and measuring myself against the way that other people are or exist have you have you thought about it and I presume you wrote a book called The Woman yeah well I, I mean I wanted to figure out what the hell's going on with me and also yeah. there was the undiagnosed autism which I you know which wasn't diagnosed till I was 41 and in retrospect, there were two things going on. First of all, I was trying to figure out what was up with me. And secondly, I was trying to understand other people because um, I didn't have the usual means of understanding people. Yeah, yeah. How is the, I mean, I know, I know not that I'm one, but I, I know a lot of people with OCD who are autistic as well. Mm. How, how do you find that the conditions exist with each other? Well, I don't mind the autism. I kind of mind the OCD. I mean, it's actually quite hard to, t to tell where they um, where they separate because, for example, you know, I, I have what I think of as an autistic inertia, but I've also seen that kind of thing called, um, I think, primary obsessive slowness. You know, oh, what's that? Well, it's just uh, it takes you a long time to get round to something takes you a long time to do things because you're trying to do them very thoroughly and because that signal that it's okay now you're done or it's okay you're ready doesn't come. See, this is the thing. I, I interviewed a guy called Jamie McKelvey, who's a, a quite a successful British uh, 
comic book artist okay. about who I've known for years. I, he was on a couple of episodes ago, and we were talking about we were both kind of like late diagnosis, him with ADHD and him with mm. me with OCD. And you know, there have been times where I've kind of kicked around like. Like, do I have ADHD? And actually, I don't, I'm sure I don't. But I feel like there are there are symptoms of the 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 two states of mind that I think are similar. Yeah. You know, he talked. He, he was talking a lot about you know struggling to hit deadlines and things like that, and because his his attention was directed other than where it should have been. And yeah, I think about problems that I've had in that regard but I know that mine is because I'm thinking about what a weird look someone gave me when I was 14 is about is it you know and I know the things are different um and I and also I guess that you saying that about autism like there are there are things where I've gone okay I think that's different to people who are maybe more neurotypical not hugely Mm. into the neurodiverse neurotypical thing really but I is that's almost what you're saying, really, isn't it? That it's almost like there are things mm. that come with being autistic that you could confuse with the OCD and vice versa. Yes, I mean, my when when I think about it, sort of in my own private language, in a way, I think of the autism and OCD. I think of them as both being aspects of sticky brain, as I call it. Yeah, it's hard to move your brain on. Yeah. It gets stuck somewhere. Do you, I mean, this is for my own, uh, this is just something I, I would like to know myself. I have a lot of things. I've been having some really good therapy recently and I'm in, I'm in a pretty, I'm in a pretty good place. Like Ooh. probably the, I feel like the best place in a, in a very long time. And I'm moving into sort of doing some pretty serious exposures. But one thing that I have an enormous problem with is, like verbal cues what like what what a raised eyebrow means or mm. uh you know i can count how many times someone blinks and i, I will convince myself that that means something that mm. they're not well, saying that's sort of over interpreting things isn't it yeah is that something that you have though is that is that, is that something that i mean that, some sometimes you know i do i do overread people in compensation for not having that um, intuitive ability to read them. Right. And right. so, you know, I sort of overcompensate for, um, but, you know, other neurodivergent people I don't have a problem with. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, da- Damien Milton talks about, you know, the, uh, what is it called? The double empathy problem. I don't know about that. It's, a, it, it, it's an autism uh, theory thing. So, it's not so much that autistic people lack theory of mind and don't have empathy that everyone else has. It's that we're kind of, we understand each other and non-autistic people understand each other. But between those groups, there's misunderstanding and mistranslation. And that's what's going on. Oh. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. There's a On the last episode is a, a, a guy called Joe Wells who's a, Comedian with OCD. Yes, I know. I know him. Yes. Have you seen that sketch about his uh, non-autistic brother? I think I might have done. Yes. So good. It's, I mean, it, in, in a kind of like a, in a kind of like a, a little bite-sized nugget of tr- trying to 
help someone who isn't autistic understand perhaps what being autistic is like it's mm. it's so on the it's so on the on well it's the sort of like being a perpetual foreigner yeah is how i describe it you're you're you're, you're always you're you're in a land where you have to work consciously to understand what's going on the only place i think i could relate to that is that you know it'll have been and gone by the time this episode comes out but i'm going through a barbecue on sunday with a bunch of friends that I made from uh, my OCD support group. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited, like, because it's just so freeing to be around people who, like, you don't have to, you don't yeah. have to pretend, you know. I mean, what, whatever situation you're in, if it's a difficult one and it's, if it's not considered to be within usual experience, there's a whole layer of masking or whatever you can take off when you're with people in the same situation. Yeah, no. I, well, I had all those years in the music industry, and there was a there was a big awards ceremony last night, and um, I went to a gig actually instead. But there was part of me thinking, oh, maybe I should have gone, and mm-hmm. and I just started I just started remembering just how hard I used to find those things because there was there was so much in me trying to read people's faces or movements or yeah. but also just trying to pretend to be all right all the time. Yeah, I mean, I I know the the worst thing for me as an autistic person is unstructured social time with people yeah. I don't know very well that's yeah. somehow supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's that thing as well where you just you don't know, you know, you just never know what's going on with someone as well because... No, you don't. I, I, I mean, I, I always assume that what I'm seeing is, you know, as, as I would hope people would with me, that what I'm seeing is the tip of the iceberg. I was just on your website just before we started speaking and uh, I was just looking at, like what you'd achieved and I was just and your bibliography and I was I was really like this is amazing and I guess oh God, what, what, what am I really trying to say you know before we started recording you were talking about uh one of your children going to university well, and... I, I, don't, don't, I only have the one okay the child okay <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, your child going. I was I was trying to not give gender as well. I was just a little bit like, oh well, that's a personal thing, you know. Um, but I, so you know, you would look at you and you'd go, and I and obviously I look at you with a lot of admiration for what you've achieved. But you would also look at you and go, oh, but well, she's going to sort it out, hasn't she? Because she's bashing out books, and you know, she's got a family, and mm. but people just don't know. People just don't know. No, I'm. I'm. I, I mean, I. Kane, you know, I don't mind telling you, I, I I arrived here today straight from seeing my therapist, where I've been going, I'm overwhelmed, yeah. you know. And you you know, you don't you don't go go into an award ceremony or a party or whatever with that overwhelmed face on if you can at all avoid it, do you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I interviewed a guy. I do a music podcast as well. And I interviewed a guy, uh, like quite a famous rock musician, yesterday, and uh, it, I, 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 with hindsight, it wasn't the best idea in the world, but I arranged this interview straight after my therapy mm. so he turned up you know on the zoom straight away after i'd finished and i think he was expecting to have a you know fairly perfunctory conversation about his new album and mm. i went in so heavy from the off uh, oh. with i mean it was cool like it worked out really well but like i think that for the first five or ten minutes he might have been a little bit like okay this is a bit different to the rest of the press that i've been doing so what are you working on at the moment uh well I'm having a I'm having a bit of a rest because I just um my latest book Letters to My Weird Sisters that just came out well a few weeks ago really and 
I'm thinking about writing um, a novel next, a historical novel. I was, I'm interested in this group of women in the 18th century who, it's a very OCD sort of thing. They wanted to live a good life and live a good and virtuous life. And so they tried to do this, but for reasons of, you know, money and uh, illness and clashing personalities and just reality, they didn't manage it. And I thought there's such an interesting story there between the ideal and the reality. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? And I get to go off and do loads of research, which is my favourite thing, really. I had trouble knowing when to stop. That's my OCD. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. What's your, so what's the most recent book about? Um, uh, Letters to My Weird Sisters is... Um, though I, I think Joe jo Edge is right and you can't actually diagnose people, I was thinking about how when you're in a marginalised group, you want to find your community and you want to find your community not only in space, but over time. And I thought, what women from the past might we now say if they were alive now were neurodivergent or autistic? Right. And so I wrote it in the form of letters to, to these women. So I was thinking about my own experience, specifically as an autistic woman, because, um, it, you know, it, it it's an intersection, autism and femaleness or or female gender. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I wrote to these four women in the past, you know, and it was partly memoir and partly biography and partly, you know, because, yeah, I am a bit highbrow, a bit of theory. That's oh, really good, actually. I, I'm, I've just got it just kicked a few cogs into gear, actually, of something that I've been thinking about for ages. Like I, if, if I can, if I can ever get this book I'm writing about OCD out, I've really wanted to write about. Um, do you know you know the Ramones? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Well, Joey was uh, was OCD. He was diagnosed. Oh right. Yeah, and um, was that why he wanted to be sedated? Because I could understand that. Well, well, there's a lot. There's a lot of references to mental illness, uh, mm. in the in the early years. There's actually a song called "Something to Believe In," oh, right. uh, which is quite f- quite far down the line in the discography. And uh, he, I was obs- I, at many low ebbs. I've been obsessed with that song, and I think that it's like for, for for me in my experience i think it's a very accurate depiction of the emptiness that comes after ocd a feeling like you've been scooped out almost mm. you thought yourself into you know into the ground and, and again it, I mean, it might not have been it might not have been about that at all because he is you know he's been dead for 20 years you know yeah but i mean we, the, the thing about a, a work of art is you, you know the person who listens to it or reads it or receives it you know they can make something of their own out of it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've always wanted to write something about him where I have investigated his mm. OCD. And I, but I think the thing that's really tricky with Ramones is that if I don't, I mean, all of the, all of the main Ramones, all of the family yeah. members are dead, um, everyone else is really getting on. So it's one of those things where it's a bit like, you know, if, if I am going to do it, I need to get on and do it, you know. And, uh, mm. and I'm, I'm definitely not twiddling my thumbs and not doing anything else. So, it's again, it comes back to that kind of prioritising that maybe we find difficult sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It is very hard to put things in order, isn't it? I mean, in, in kind of order of priority. Oh, man. It can feel like they're all coming at you at once. Honestly, honestly, it's... Uh, you should... I feel like there's one of my best friends with OCD is getting married in a couple of weeks, and uh, we had a 
um, we had some over the summer, like her and her partner came over to mine and my wife's place and had some food and we you know we were talking and I and I kind of overheard my wife and my friend's partner talking and they it was almost like and I mean this in the most loving way possible. I, I don't have a problem with it at all, but it was almost like sort of two almost like two dog owners talking in the park, you know, like almost like, oh did yours do this or did yours do this, you know, and there was definitely um yeah, I think my husband feels like a carer some of the time. Well, he can he can join that club. I'll have a word with my yeah. wife, and they can form their own little support group if you want. <laughs> it's been a lovely conversation. Thank you. Yes, it has. I'm, I'm I'm sorry I was slightly late. You know, life. Oh no, no, don't worry about it. Again, the very, the same friend of mine with OCD. Like we, uh, you know, if we meet up, like it's just it's just like sort of hilarious really of just like oh, i'm sorry i'm running late no actually i'm running late sorry i'm running late and and we've i think i think there's sometimes that thing with ocd where it, it's a bit easy to attribute everything that is difficult to it but i think that it i i think i've met too many people with ocd who have the same traits as me to not think that it's part of the condition oh yeah because we're we're just responsible for absolutely everything every you know micro aspect of every situation we're ever in you know absolutely course, totally absolutely but we're i tell you what in in our case we're both good writers joanne so there's that that's good yeah no i, I mean i have to say i'm impressed that you do podcasts so that oh. that, that 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 to me seems something i couldn't do oh I, I I think it almost goes back to that thing I was saying before about mm. it's almost like you know if OCD, if if recovery from OCD is about kind of like uh, embracing uncertainty or imperfection, like mm. I feel it's the same with creativity in many ways. Like I, I used to get so hung up on mistakes or flaws, mm. and now I just go. I mean, I'm, it's uncomfortable for me, but like, if there is, like, for example, when this podcast comes out, if there is like a weird, you know, kind of internet thing, like, I almost go, well, you've got to put it out because if you don't put it out, you just won't do them anymore. You do, exactly. And all you can do is just keep making things and putting them out there because something that's imperfect is better than nothing. Absolutely, that. That is, I might rather down and ask my wife if that can go on my tombstone oh okay <laughs> great speaking to you joanne i'm sure we'll speak again yes uh, good luck with the, good luck with the new book thank you and thanks for inviting me to the podcast the ocd chronicles is brought to you by sufferers of ocd not mental health professionals this is a place to educate and inform from a perspective of lived experience but not to advise Thankfully, the United Kingdom is lucky enough to have two great charities for OCD and their related disorders. One is called OCD UK, the other OCD Action. I personally found them hugely helpful in my long and storied journey with this wretched disorder. You can find them easily enough online. Solidarity with sufferers. OCD is hell, but there is hope. The OCD Chronicles is brought to you by James McMahon. That's me. It's a spook media production. Oh, and if you wanted to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on, it'd mean a lot. It's so useful in getting the podcast in front of other people. Until next time.